Hello and welcome to a quarantine episode of Called Bank Sports. <laughs> the Jazz are currently sitting at the top of the West and at the top of the NBA with the only undefeated record of 4-0. Um, doesn't mean a lot when you have, in my opinion, only played two um, quarters of basketball against solid finals talent, you know. But hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take the wins where they come and we will enjoy this um, good start to the season. So... Dale and I today, first of all, wanted to talk about A, why the Jazz are going 82 and 0. Um, B, why Rudy Gobert is already the consensus MVP and there's no no bones about it. <laughs> and then C, um, just kind of look at the records and more or so C um of the other teams in the NBA and kind of what we think it means. Like the Los Angeles Lakers sitting at three and three after dropping a 25 plus point lead against the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know. The Suns definitely not coming out how they want at 1-3. and three, But it is important to remember that last year the Jazz started at 4-4 four and four before going on a tear to get the one seed. And, you know, the last undefeated team last year at 4-0 and oh was the Orlando Magic. And <laughs> if you know anything know about the Magic, thing. yeah, definitely um, not planning on replicating what the Magic did last year but dale what whose record stands out the most to you right now uh well you mentioned the suns and i think they're the most surprising one uh but specifically in the west um i think the two teams that stand out one that's good and one that's bad is the the timberwolves and the clippers the timberwolves are up at right now they're third in the west with a three and one record and the clippers are one and four way down at 12th um and I think going in, we didn't really have any expectations for the Timberwolves. We said, uh, maybe they'll make like a, a 10th seed and make a play-in if they're lucky. And we, we kind of thought the Clippers would really uh, like do pretty good even without Kawhi Leonard. So those yeah. have both been kind of surprising. I will say the Timberwolves aren't nearly as surprising for me because I feel like in the past, they have this thing where they start off and they look like they're going to make the playoffs and they look like they could even be a top seed. And whether or not it's just Cat not having enough motivation or, you know, it just gets really cold in Minnesota. I I don't know what it is. (laughs) That's it. It's that one. (laughs) uh, They just kind of lose their fire and end up falling off. So I still don't expect the Timberwolves to make the playoffs. And they could prove me wrong. Like, Carl Anthony Towns is an amazing player, you know. Lacks on the defensive end, but great on the offensive end. And could definitely, I think, be the best player on an NBA Finals team. I just don't necessarily know if he has the motivations to get there. And obviously, he's had some really life-changing things happen over the past couple years, losing a lot of family to COVID and things like that. And whether or not, you know, what impact that has on him and his drive, I don't know. But I'd love to see the T-Wolves do well. I just don't think we will. Yeah, and... uh... I just don't want the Jazz to play the Timberwolves in the playoffs, and and maybe it's just because we had a rough time last season. But uh, yeah, last I'm, year I'm, when uh, it, it, we're a better team, it's just they had our number. No, they did. And to be fair, if I remember correctly, the Jazz didn't have Donovan for those two games last year, so that really, I mean, bringing in the best offensive player on your team, you know, the lifeblood of your team, I'd say is definitely going to improve yeah. um that those outcomes. So especially when it's playoff Donovan, like Yeah. Playoff Donovan. Playoffs. When fifty points is a low scoring game. 
<laughs> um, no, not quite that, but yeah, no. T-Wolves are going to be interesting. They could definitely come out of nowhere. And so could the Kings. But I just think both of those teams are going to fall off. But other than that, um, I mean, Golden State almost went 5-0. and Definitely shocking a lot of people there. Um, I know that everyone, you know, thought that Vegas's um, record prediction for them was way too high and everyone took the under. So you definitely don't like if you took the under watching the Golden State Warriors sit um, at four and one right now, starting off above expectations. But it'll be it'll be an interesting year. Um, I do expect things to kind of level back out with the Lakers probably being lower than most people expected. And the Suns will have to climb out of the gutter, you know, there at 10. But I think they'll get back into the top five teams here in the next couple weeks. Um, I don't know if they're going to ha- go on a tear like the Jazz did, you know, and win double-digit games in a row. But I think they'll get back into it. Yeah, and uh, I just want to, like, point out, we've, we've already said this, but all these teams are, like, four to six games into the season, which means yeah. every team has over 70 games left to play. Um, <laughs> really, what what happens now doesn't matter at all. But it it's like we're taking the data that we have and we're trying to figure out the trend. And, yeah, and, and that's the problem is we just don't have much data yet. Every team could still go seventy four and eight. Every team could still break the Bulls' record. Now, if the Pistons or the Pelicans went out and did that after the, their start to the season, that would be mind boggling. <laughs> but the, the Pistons win the championship with Cade yeah. Cunningham this year. E- every yeah, everything's still on the table, like you said. This is way too early. I mean. We know Jazz started out four and four last year and then won 50 plus games in a reduced season. Like Orlando Magic started four and oh and ended up literally selling everyone and just picking up draft picks. Like they got rid of Valanchunas, their best player, and sent him to Chicago. And we'll be seeing him tonight. You know, that's what the Jazz are doing. (laughs) No, just going to rebuilding. I, I don't. Even if the Jazz, you know, got in, were a lottery team this year, I don't know if they'd rebuild. Donovan Mitchell might ask out, but I don't know if they'd rebuild. Well, and the reason we're, we're nowhere near rebuilding is because we have the favorite for the MVP right now. Well, yeah, which so I guess according to basketball reference, they're giving, what did you say, Rudy Gobert almost a 50% chance of winning the award since he's averaging 18 and 18 right now? Yeah, he's, he's listed number one with a 47% chance. The number two is Jimmy Butler with 17%. So I don't know if I'd put either of them as like realistic favorites. For something like MVP, I don't think stats tell the story. I think yeah. I think something MVP, I would trust Vegas odds a lot more. Um, it, because no, they're, MVP they're putting is, factors other than stats into it. It's definitely a lot more of an emotional thing. And like what you did for the team. I would be really interested to see... Um, what happens if Rudy Gobert kept managing 15 and 15 plus, which is possible for the season. Like, I don't know if he's going to keep that up in the points just because um, of the teams they've played and they're going to play better teams that do a better job of stopping him and defending him than, you know, the Rockets did. <laughs> but I, I truly think that Rudy Gobert is the most valuable player on the jazz. Like if you get rid of him, the jazz, aren't fighting for the one seed, you know, and I don't think we're talking finals. If you got rid of Conley, um, I still think the jazz could get a top four seed. 
it would be sorry, not Conley Mitchell. <laughs> um, if you got rid of Mitchell, I still think the Jazz could get a top four seed. It would be harder. Um, but even if you had a lower quality guard in that slot, just what Gobert does on defense is astronomically um, undervalued. Even if as a Jazz fan, you value it to a level more than most people do. I still believe it's way undervalued. People just don't realize what he does for this team. Well, and, and let's uh, imagine if Gobert just picks it up and he finishes his season averaging 20 and 20, <laughs> like, and then he I wins mean, the MVP. Could you, this, there's already so much Gobert hate. Imagine like what people, what people on social media would say if Gobert walks away with MVP and it's the jazz everyone's couple. talking about how he doesn't fit in the league anymore. But then when he retires and his legacy is like, however many defensive player of the year awards he gets, which he'll, he might get a couple more in his career, plus yeah. MVP, plus hopefully a championship. So that would be ridiculous. If he finished 20 and 20, you know, and the Jazz got the one seed, because I have a hard time seeing him finishing 20 and 20 without the Jazz getting the one seed. Um, I would have a hard time not putting him in the MVP discussion, you know, and not giving him the award. And I understand that that's somewhat of a homer take, but at the same time, like, Really, who would have done better? I mean, it's like Joel Embiid was in the discussion last year when he only played like 50 of the games. Like, if Gobert is playing all the games, averaging 20 points, so all of a sudden putting up a lot more points on the offensive end and still snagging all those boards. I mean, that's an impressive feat as is. And to lead your team to the NBA... um to the playoffs while doing that with the one seed, in my opinion, would definitely warrant serious consideration for the MVP award. I don't think he'd win it. I think he'd probably get the defensive player of the year award and people would then give the MVP to someone they want to. But I think that would warrant serious consideration for MVP. Yeah, and and if that happens, which it's it's unlike, unlikely that it does, but right now he's at 18 at 18, so... You know... And we're only I mean, four games in, but I, I think there, right? he's going to I think he's finish the season eight with 18 and eight, averaging 18 and 18, and the Jazz are going to go 82 and 0. You know, if you just extrapolate the first <laughs> games out over the last 78, that's how that's mathematically how that works, right? I, I, I've never seen that not work that way in the NBA. <laughs> so. But but if he continues this level of play and gets something close to 20 and 20, 18 and 18, um, he like he better be at least defensive. I mean, like all NBA second team. He's probably yeah. all NBA first team. But like I don't know. There's a lot of good centers. That's hard. Jokic and Embiid might come in with uh, Jokic, averaging thirty plus points and twelve yeah. rebounds. So you have Jokic and Embiid. Um, and again, I still think Embiid isn't available enough to get all the love that he gets. And we'll see how that goes this year. And then if Anthony Davis starts playing center like he needs to for the Lakers, I mean. If he's eligible for the center spot, then that makes it even harder for Gobert. And I just think that Jokic and um, and Embiid are just too good and too loved. Um, I think overall, Jokic probably deserves it more. Well, it's hard, though, right? Because when you're comparing Jokic to Gobert, you're saying, do I want someone on who can play defense really well and facilitate on offense by screening? Or do I want someone who doesn't know how to play defense? And facilitates on offense as the point guard. I, I do, 
do you want a seven foot point guard or a seven foot center? Yeah. And I personally feel like you can't necessarily compare those. I feel like most, most times in the NBA though, you always take offense over defense because rarely is someone such a defensive liability that they can't even play on the court at all. And, and defense is a lot harder to measure. Like, Defense yeah. doesn't go on the scoreboard. Um, and, and so it's like, even if you get a block, you're like, did you, like, how many times did you let someone score on you? But like, if you got four blocks in a game, you stopped four possessions and that's it. And you might have yeah. not even stopped them. They could have gotten the rebound and scored that possession. So defensive stats really don't tell how good of a player, uh, how good and, of a defender players are. And what defense, and what, um, what defense is your team playing like? If the Jazz are playing drop big, putting Rudy in the paint, and the other team is allowing them to play that, the Jazz are unstoppable. If they pull all five guys out so that all of a sudden Gobert has someone on the corner and, you know, Donovan is doing his best, but and maybe hopefully he's not doing his best and he can improve, but letting people buy him, like all of a sudden Gobert can't be in the corner and guarding the paint at the same time. So you've stretched the Jazz too thin and you've shown um, the weakness of the other players that the Jazz have on defense. So there's a lot more to it, and it'll be interesting to see. And I think both of us are in agreement. Like, if we were betting now, we would be optimistically hopeful to see Gobert finish 15-15. and Like, that would probably be feasible, but even then, like, his boards are probably going to drop off in some games. And... And... The Jazz haven't been shooting great so far this season. I think their field goal percentage is going to start going up, which means there's going to be like less offensive boards available, but he's been getting a lot of offensive boards. So yeah, I, th- I think that's why his rebounding numbers are so high right now. And once someone on the Jazz starts hitting threes, then he's going to have less offensive possessions. But it is nice to see, and hopefully he can stay as engaged as he is. Because if we're able to get, you know, um, 18 and 18 from Gobert on a night when the threes aren't falling. That makes me feel a lot more confident about the Jazz picking up wins on bad three-point shooting nights. Yeah, and that I don't know if this is like an advanced metric. I haven't been able to find one, but I think, and this this is something that maybe I should just create my own advanced metrics because I think this <laughs> what I'm trying to explain like would be a really important stat and it would show. Okay. Why Gobert is so important? I think, I think there should be. For first off, I don't think there's a stat for forced turnovers. I think that sh- if you can force someone to dribble the ball off their foot out of bounds, I think there should be a stat for that. But I okay. think, I think there should be like kind of like a plus minus for possessions. How many possessions do you add versus how many possessions do you take away? So, like a a a missed shot, you lose a possession. But oh, an okay. offensive rebound, you gain a possession. A steal, you gain a possession. So most people are probably going to be negative because a missed shot is a lost possession. But if you can say, oh, this, like, on average for for every 48 minutes, this person can get you four extra possessions. Yeah. That's huge. Maybe that's, maybe that's taking, like, the money ball approach to basketball, where it's like, hey, if you can, like, in money ball, like, if you can get on base, you're valuable. So, yeah. like, a player who can get you extra possessions is valuable even if they don't get the ball in the bucket. The closest thing that I know to that is I know that David Locke has a 
um, stat that he called he calls points gained. And what it does is it sets the average player in the league as zero points. And then I think it looks at points gained like per 100 possessions over that average team player. So interesting. Oh, so, but I, I get what you're saying though. We're like, if you're able to get a turnover, then that's valuable. And if you're able to get an offensive rebound, that that's a different. Those are the same type of value that yeah, aren't necessarily reflected. Normally, you get like most of the rebounds in the NBA are defensive. Yeah, our offensive rebound is stealing a defensive rebound from the other team, which is a possession. So, um, no, I think that would be really interesting to workshop something but, like that. And so. I don't know. You, you could also throw in like if you let your guy get an offensive rebound, that's the same as a turnover. Yeah, uh, I I think like that should be around the same value, and, and that's a really bad turnover because it's not even leading to a fast break. It's usually leading to a dunk because he's right there by the rim. No, that makes a lot of sense. Or you know, because of where the NBA is at today, you know, just a kick, an automatic kick out to the corner for an open three-point shot, yeah. which, you know, works. If you're hitting it, it works. And it's three is greater than two, mathematically. I don't know a lot of things, but I do know that. <laughs> that I, that's how I got through high school. I knew that fact. <laughs> so last question. What record, where do you think the Jazz are going to finish? Do you think that they have a shot at getting 60 wins? Um, Or do you think that with rest and things like that, that 60 wins is off the table? I think the Jazz are as good as any 60-win team. Not 70-win teams, but I think they're as good as any 60-win team. Uh, I think what it will come down to is when, when does Rudy Gay come back and how does he fill the role that we need him to? Yeah. Uh, I think maybe that's putting too much weight on Rudy Gay, but I think everything else is kind of going to fall into place and Rudy Gay will be the difference between the Jazz being a 55-win team and a 62-win team. And so, and then last, 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 last question, because I already, you know, asked the last question. So um, with, after watching what happened to Golden State when they went 73-9 and and they beat the Bulls record, um, but then they were seemingly exhausted come the finals. Would you, do we even want to see the Jazz flirt with 70, with, you know, 74 and 8? I, I don't um, think that's going to happen. Like, that's a crazy record. And the NBA is way too good for that to happen right now. But would we want to even see that happen? I'm not going to say no. I, I don't, like, everyone blames that why golden state lost uh i i would almost put more weight in like if you look at the western conference that year the spurs were like a high 60 win team the thunder were obviously ridiculous that year like that was probably the most competitive western conference as far as the top of the western conference that we've seen in a very long time uh the warriors were lucky that they didn't even have to play the spurs uh but they had to play a really tough series against the thunder had to fight back so i I don't think it was the necessarily the winning 73 games. I think it was the how hard they had to fight the series before that. Uh, okay. I, and I may be complete. And also, I don't want Was wanna, that the Draymond Green suspension in game five as well? I believe so. And I, I okay. Cause, yeah, because that was the year Cleveland won. And I don't want to say, oh, Cleveland won because Golden State was tired. Because I think Cleveland earned that championship. Uh, even if Golden State was a little fresher, I think Cleveland 
maybe they wouldn't have pulled it off, but they they fought hard for that. So yeah, I I, I want to put some credit on LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and that whole team, and not just say oh it's because the other team was tired. So no, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. I that that's the thing where it's like you can talk about it all you want, but if the Jazz go seventy four and eight this year, I'm losing my mind. I know. Like I, I'm not going to say I, no to it. Like if that happens, that's awesome. And again, that would be insane. Like looking at the schedule and looking at the fact that you're playing, you know, the Lakers nuggets, you know, the warriors are looking good. The Suns, the Hawks, the 76ers, the bucks, like only picking up eight losses against those teams alone would be impressive. So it's an exciting year so far. And I'm super excited to see how they fare this weekend. I do think the jazz are going to end up, um, you know, Sunday night sitting at five and one. I don't know who they'll lose to, but I think they'll pick up a loss in uh, these next two games. Yeah, I that's kind of my prediction too. The thing is, I think we're better than the Bulls. I think we're we I think we're gonna lose one of the next two. I think we're gonna beat the Bucks though. So even though I think I don't we're think than the Bulls, Mike Conley's gonna I think play we're the, gonna drop the to the Bulls. I don't think that and that's my thing, is I think we're gonna get Jared Butler backup minutes and Joe Wingle's starter minutes against the Bucks tomorrow night. And I don't. I don't know if the. I don't think the Bucks have Drew Holiday right now, and maybe I'm wrong on that. And, but I just but, think the Jazz have matched up against Giannis really well. Like even even when yeah. the Jazz were kind of like a when we were having a tough time getting through the Rockets in the playoffs, and we really weren't the same team that we are now. Whenever we play the Bucks, we we normally pulled out of those games. So that, that's why I'm thinking that. I think our matchup is just a little yeah. better. I think if the Jazz had made it to the finals against the Bucks. 100% healthy they win. Now you'll also have Suns fans who say if Chris Paul doesn't have his hand injury, then they win that series either. And then they win that series too. And it's just a bunch of what ifs, which is what we've, <laughs> you know, devolved to. But that's really all you can do after the first week of the season is talk about the what ifs. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, please let us know what you think down in the comment section or on social media. Um, Share with your friends, leave a like, follow wherever you're at. Thank you so much and go jazz.